There's a reason that they give instructions. And there's a reason that instructions should be followed. The same thing is true in the Christian life. We have an instruction manual. And a lot of times we like to do things our way. We like to rule out what the instruction manual puts because that's not the way I want to do it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't want to go by there. I don't want to talk to them. Apologize. They should apologize to me. They started this mess. You know, I wonder if all of the pilots around the world decided I am sick and tired of being told what to do. I'm tired of control towers telling me how to fly this plane. I'm the one with all the training. I'm the one with all the experience. I know what I'm doing. I take this thing off. I land this thing. I'm tired of taxiing out there and sitting and waiting 30 minutes on a ramp, on a runway before I can take off. I fly this thing halfway around the world. I get to where I'm going. They put me in a holding pattern for 45 minutes before I can land. I'm tired of that, wasting my time. What if all the pilots said, we know what we're doing. We're just going to turn our radios off. I'm tired of listening to Control Tower. I know how to do this. It wouldn't take long till we'd have a mess in the air and on the ground because they've chosen not to listen to the Control Tower. We're getting there in this country. We got a lot of people who have forgotten about the instruction manual. We got a lot of people who have forgotten the instructions are already written. And when you plant in February, what chance post plant until the end of March, you end up with a pot full of soil. But there's no fruit on it. There would have been fruit on that had I followed the instruction manual. This morning, we're, we're going to look at the subject of making a difference. Anybody want to make a difference in your surroundings? Anybody want to make a difference in the world that we live in? Anybody believe that you can? That God could use us in today's world to make a difference? We're going to look here in this passage... Romans chapter 12, I'm going to look at a, at a message this morning. I gave it a title that will make you pay attention. Chocolate chips. <laughs> Chocolate chips. So on Wednesday nights, we have been in the book of Romans for a few weeks now. And a month or so ago, we spent two weeks in a row on Romans chapter 12 and Verse number one, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, the fact is that it is only reasonable for you and I to surrender our lives to the guiding of the Holy Spirit. This is the instruction manual. He is our control tower. There's a reason that we're to surrender those things. God no longer requires a sacrifice of the shedding of blood. Jesus Christ has done that on Calvary's cross. The blood has been shed. The price has been paid. The gift is now offered for free. Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession on behalf of you and I, making atonement for the sins, for the things that we did wrong. So that's no longer necessary, but what is necessary is that as children of God, we live our lives a living sacrifice, a daily sacrifice. We are to be different, come out from among them and be separate. We're to be different from the rest of the world. So verse number two is where I want to get our text this morning. This will be our main focus. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the instruction manual. God, it is an instruction manual, but it's written by a hand of love. It is a love letter. It, it gives us guidance and direction. It gives us strength and security. It gives us peace and salvation. It gives us hope everlasting, God. It is everything that we need all wrapped up in this one love letter. I thank you so much for it. But God, we live in a world today that is pulling in every direction. Sin and evil and wickedness is trying to drag us down with it. It's coming through the airways, God. It's being posted and promoted in every way, God. I pray you'd give us the strength this morning to be not conformed to the images of this world. To be not conformed to the things of the world around us, God. 
But I pray this morning you'd give us strength to be transformed. May there be a renewing of our mind, God, that helps us, Father, to go forward. Be exactly what you'd have us to be, to be a light in a dark world. Ask you to move upon your people, God. Will you speak to me? And will you speak through me, Father, that we might hear from you. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. So the book of Romans is, of course, one of the 13 letters written by the Apostle Paul that are preserved by God and placed here in the New Testament. But in the first letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth, in chapter 6, Paul, beginning in verse number 9, said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11 says, and such were some of you. That means that in our lives, those descriptions fit you and I. Some, maybe all of those descriptions described who we were, but you're washed. <laughs> that means you're clean now. You're not wearing sin-stained garments. You don't have sin dripping off of you, dragging all over you, because we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb of God. But you are sanctified. That word sanctified means that you are set apart. You are set apart for and holy use. I got news for you. If you're a saved, born-again child of the living God, you're not like the world. You are different. You have been set apart to be something different from what we were and something different from everything around us. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means that for everything that I ever did, every mistake that I ever made, every sin I've ever committed, even things that I may have thought yesterday, everything that the world likes to point back and say, he did this and he did that, and everything that the devil likes to pour down on us and remind us, you're no good. Look in your past. Every bit of it says that I have been justified, never done it. I am cleansed in the blood of the Lamb of God. By the, by the Lord, name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. So Paul, in his second letter to the church at Corinth, once again, chapter 6, he says in verse number 14, to be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We as Christians are to present our bodies to, to live in such a way that the world can see Christ in us and through us in everything that we do. We once were part of the world. Anybody say amen? When we were part of the world, we were openly accepted by the world. We were invited to everything by the world. We were brought in and we were formed into the same image as the world because we were of it. But as Christians, we are still in the world, but we're no longer of the world. We don't fit that mold anymore. And because we're no longer of the world, we're not to be conformed into the image of the world. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are to think differently. It has to start in the way we think. Everything we should think differently. God's word is first. The Holy Spirit is our control tower. And everything is based on what he says do. We are to be transformed. Not, not what we used to be. What we used to be is dead and gone. Anybody say thank you Jesus. The word conform here comes from a Greek word. It means to fashion alike. It is to conform to the same pattern as, figuratively, to fashion self according to. So what God says is that we are not to fashion ourselves according to the fashions of the world. We are not to be fashioned to be like the world. All of our lives we fit into the world's mold up until the day of salvation. We walk like them. We talk like them. We went to the places that they went to. We did the things that they do. You know why? Because of such were some of you. We looked like them, acted like them, talked like them because we were like them. Nothing was any different until we were washed in the blood. 
But once we were born again, once we became new creatures in Christ, all things truly do pass away. Behold, all things become new. We're not to be molded by the world's standards. We are to set a standard for the world. Nobody heard that. We are not to be molded by the world's standards. We are to set the standard for the world. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away in the lust thereof. That he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. John chapter 9, one of the stories there, we're going to use it in the Easter play this year. I'm excited about this part. The blind man sitting over here, he's been blind since birth. He couldn't see, and I'm excited about the video they've shot and put up. It's just a whole new part in it. I assure you, it's amazing. It's amazing. I can't wait. I can't wait for the cast to be a part of it. Damn practice. I can't wait for you guys out listening to get to come see. He's alive. It's, it's just going to be powerful. This, this new scene is powerful. I love everything about it but in this scene there was an event leading up to the scene the disciples came and they've asked jesus a question as jesus passed by saw him was blind from his birth disciples asked him saying master who did sin this man or his parents who was born blind the question that didn't make sense to me obviously the man didn't sin because it says he was born blind and god doesn't hold your parents sins against you or yours against your parents they're, they're individuals so even the question to me kind of doesn't make sense but but Jesus answers, and neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. In verse number 5, Jesus said, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But in the opening statements of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus makes it very clear that you and I as Christians, as children of God, we are to be the light of the world. That means that we're supposed to make a difference in the world. There ought to be something different about us that makes a difference in our surrounding. Can I tell you, some people aren't going to like it when you come in and you're the light. Because people like the darkness. People who are doing evil things enjoy the darkness because you turn the light on it exposes the darkness. And they want to do their little evil deeds in the darkness, so some's not going to like it. Let, let me ask you. Just say the room over here. It's dark. Curtains over it. Lights are off. If one person goes into the dark room and sits down in there alone in the darkness, how many people are sitting alone in darkness? That's a pretty simple math. That's as easy as the question is going to get. One. Okay, now I don't want you to get into doing math, so let's take that person back out of the room. If ten people go into the room, they go into the dark room, and ten people sit down in the darkness, how many people are now sitting in darkness? Ten. All right, get them back out of the room. If a hundred people go into the room and they sit down in darkness, how many people are sitting in darkness? A hundred. Let's go one more step. Get them hundred out of the room. If a thousand people go in there, it's going to be incredibly crowded. <laughs> a thousand people go into a dark room and they sit down in the dark room. How many people are sitting in darkness? A thousand. Now let's leave them in there. The thousand people are in there. One person with the light goes into the dark room where the thousand people are with a light. How many people are sitting in darkness? None. It's all about the light. What, what that tells me is that darkness isn't the problem. The problem is the absence of the light. You and I are to be the light of the world. So the problem that the world is facing, the problem that the world experiences is not the, the noise of the darkness, it's the silence of the light. 
The darkness isn't the problem. The presence of darkness isn't the problem. The problem is the absence of light. Because when the light comes on, darkness has got to get out of town. The two cannot cohabitate. Where light is present, darkness must flee. It cannot stay where the light is. Jesus said that we are to be the light of the world. We are to be the light in the dark place so that no one else is sitting in darkness. That means we're supposed to be putting off a light but but we don't have a light except for Jesus we don't possess a light we're not built by a light it's not a light coming out we're more like a moon we don't generate our own light we're not the sun we're a reflection of the sun saved by the sun redeemed by the sun bought purchased by the blood of the sun but we're not the sun but we ought to be a reflection of the sun. It is his light that is supposed to, to shine off of us. But in order to be a light, first we've got to be set apart. We can't be different if we're the same. We can't give off a light if we are conformed into the image of this world and not, re, and not renewed, not transformed by the renewing of our mind. A great illustration here in the Word of God. There's actually several that I'll look through, but I'm just going to use Daniel and his three friends. We'll look look at Daniel just for a minute as an illustration of of what it means to be a light in a dark world. What it means to be not conformed to the image of this world. Jerusalem has been overthrown. Babylon has come in and destroyed Jerusalem. They've taken the Jews. They've carried them away in exile. They've carried them away as hostages. And Daniel and his three friends, now we know them as more commonly as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they have been carried away hostage, and there they all are. They are prisoners there in the king. But, but once they, they got in there, they were different than the others. See, these young men, they knew the law and the prophets. They had studied the law and the prophets. They knew the laws of God. They knew what God said. They knew that they were to be different. They knew that they were to follow God in everything that they did. So when they got there, because they were young, strong, good-looking young men, they were brought into this group of people that became the king's court. He brought a group of people that he wanted to do something special with. He wanted to make this group of people something different. So brought into the king's court, they're offered the best food on the planet. I mean the best Five-star chefs in the world will prepare their meals. They are in the king's palace. They are in the Hollywood of their day. They there. They have the best of the best made available to them. The absolute best wine in all the world is being made available to them. They are among the celebrities of the day, the most famous, the most popular people. They can have anything they want. All they had to do was blend in. They can have anything that the world has to offer. They can have the best of the best. They are in the king's palace, the king's court, the king's room. They can have anything at a beacon call. All they have to do is conform. All they got to do is look like everybody else. But they had already made up their mind that no matter what, I'm serving God. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in this country, no matter where we go, no matter what falls on me. See, Daniel and, and his three friends, and it's just like, just like you and I, they were feeling the pressures of society. The world was offering them all this stuff to try to get them to turn. Some are beating them down on one side, pulling them up on the other side. They're doing everything they can to try to get them to conform to the culture around them. But when we conform to the culture around us, that is to stray away from the faith that we've been bought into. Because they made up their mind to to follow God, they were a light in the dark world. Nebuchadnezzar, of course, was the king. He would have been the most powerful man in the world at that time. He's the one that's responsible for the overthrow of Jerusalem, the northern and the southern kingdom. He's brought all the people in. In Daniel chapter 2, the king has a dream. The dream's upsetting to him. He calls in all of the wise men, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, the astrologers. He calls everybody in. He wants to know what the dream means. This ain't just a dream. This is supposed to be telling me something. He's freaked out by it. Anybody have a dream freaks you out? He's freaked out by the dream. He wants to know the meaning, and he don't know what it is. But finally, somebody hears about Daniel, and somebody brings in Daniel. And because of the interpretation of the dream, 
Daniel is promoted. See, God revealed what the dream meant to Daniel. Daniel revealed it to the king. So in Daniel chapter 2, verse 47, that because a dream, all this is is a dream translated, the king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is, that your God is a God of gods and the Lord of kings, a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man, gave him many great gifts, made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, the chief governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel requested of the king, and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. But the king had a pride problem. He built himself this big golden statue to make himself something famous, to make himself something popular. And he made a decree that at the sound of the music, everybody has to bow down and worship this golden image that I've made. Anybody that doesn't will be cast into the burning fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a choice to make. Do I blend in or do I stand out? See, when, when everybody else bows down and you stay standing up, you ain't going to have to worry about whether or not your light's on. Everybody's going to see the light. You're not going to have to announce yourself that I'm here. My light is on. I'm different. When, when everybody else in the entire country bows down and you stay standing up for your God, they're going to know there's something different about you. King's ticked off about it. King brought them in because they would not bow down. See, they had already made up their mind because they knew the law and the prophet. They knew that God said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That means anything in your life that means more to you than God is an idol in your life. And God says, I will not have it. I don't care what it is. If you're putting it before God, before God's church, before serving God, it is an idol. And they already knew that thou shalt have no other gods before me. They already knew that God said he was a very jealous God, visiting the iniquity until the third and fourth generation that God would deal with those who turned their back on him. They said, we're going to stand for God. They knew that to bow down even for a moment to an idol of the world was to betray God forever. It is betraying, turning back on, on their back on God. So they stood out because they stood up. They stood out because they were a light in a dark situation. Chapter 3 of Daniel, verse number 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. He commanded the most mighty men that were in his army, the most mighty men, not just anybody. He commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. These men were bound in their coats and their hose and their hats, their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So that was the mighty men. The most mighty men in his army, the, the fire slew them. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound, bound, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was asked tonight. Goes up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men. Loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. The form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. The princes, the governors, the captains, the counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake. This is because they stood up. Don't lose the point now. This is the ones who stood up when everybody else bowed down. This is the three that was a light in a dark place, and they found themselves being cast into a burning fire furnace. After all that, the king, 
king Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted him and have changed the king's word, yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sword. There's another verse. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Because they did not conform to the image of this world, not even at the hierarchy's command, they would not bow down. So in Daniel chapter 4, the king is there in his palace. Verse number 4 of Daniel chapter 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. That means I had everything I wanted. I'm flourishing. All is good. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I made a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them that they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But at the last, Daniel came in before me. The interpretation of this dream involved the statues. The interpretation here says, King, you're going down. Your kingdom is going to fall. Somebody else is going to come in and take the place. Nebuchadnezzar said, Pfft. Verse number 30, the king spoke and said, Is this not great? Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. They shall drive thee from men. Thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. And seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the most high God ruleth in the kingdom of men and he giveth, un and he giveth to whomsoever he will. So seven years you're going to eat grass. You're going to live out in the field like an animal. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men. He did eat grasses and oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, his nails as birds' claws. At the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lift up mine eyes into heaven and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation." All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. My counselors, my Lord, sought unto me. I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, whose works are truth, his ways are judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. God has a way of bringing the world to its knees before you. But it's up to the light to stand up first. So in Daniel chapter 6, Darius is now king. Daniel is still standing for the things of God. Daniel is still faithful. He's still a light standing in the darkness. He's still a witness in a dark, trying world. He's still standing out to make a difference. How many of you know that when you're a light standing out in the darkness, people are going to hate you? How many of you know when you stand up at work and won't do the garbage they want you to do, they're not going to like you? How many of you know in your classrooms, in your schools, when you stand for the principles of God, they're going to laugh, they're going to poke fun, they're going to make fun, they're going to call your name, they're going to push you out, they're not going to invite you to the things that they want because they don't want you there because you're different? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Daniel chapter 6, verse number 3. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. The king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the president and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, 
they could find none occasion or fault for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. So what they wanted to do is get him in trouble. You know, kind of like politicians do today. Let's dig up dirt on one another. Let's don't tell you what good we can do. Let's just tell you how dirty everybody else is. So they wanted to dig up some dirt on God's man. But you know what they found out? God's man walking in God's light, not conformed to the image of the world, didn't have any dirt on him. They couldn't find anything against him, so they decided to set a trap for him. They decided, you know how proud the king is. What we'll do, we'll get him to pass a decree that if anybody bows down and worships anything but the king, then they'll be cast into the lion's den. And Darius loved Daniel. But in his pride, it never crossed his mind that it would backfire on him. It never crossed his mind that it would wind up putting one of his best friends, his most trusted comrades, that he put him in a lion's den. So the king signed the decree. The very next day, just like he did every day, Daniel bowed down to pray before his God, like you and I need to do every day, and let people see us pray. Let people see us bless our food in the restaurant. Let people see us pray in the car. Let people see us pray when, when any event that we're out. He, he prayed and people saw it there. That's how Daniel ended up in the lion's den. But y'all know how that story goes. The Lord sent his angel and closed the mouth of the lion. And Daniel brought all the kitty kitties together. And how he got them up, made a pillow out of one and got down in them and got all warm and cozy and slept like a baby. But the king, on the other hand, the king was anxious. Cast one of my best friends in the line, didn't he? Did nothing wrong. He, he's the most faithful man I know, and I put him in there because I was tricked. So the Bible says he went down early the next morning in Daniel 6 19, arose the king early in the morning, went in haste into the den of lions, and when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. <clears throat> King's pace said, Oh, Daniel, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee? From the lions. That's a great verse for you and I right there. No matter what your lion's den looks like, no matter what your fire looks like, no matter what your trials and your troubles look like, do you believe that your God is able to save you from the mouth of the lion? Verse 21, Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, I have done, have I done no hurt. So the king had Daniel lifted up out of the lion's den and all those who brought the false charges and made up the lies and had the king sign that he had them and all their families cast into the lion's den. Now the lions, they was hungry all night. They just wasn't allowed to eat. They starving now. They didn't have Daniel kicking around making a pill out of them. They were ready to eat something. The Bible says as soon as those men and their families were thrown in, that the lions immediately had power over them. Verse number 25. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even to the end. He that delivereth and rescueth, and he that worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel's God, our God, is the same God who is able to deliver thee, no matter what the persecution is. How is it that Daniel was able to make such a difference? How is it that Daniel and his three friends were able to, to make it into God's book that, that they changed an entire kingdom? An entire kingdom was changed by the king's command just because of the, these one little small handful of people doing something. How could they be a light in a dark world? Well, it's simple. Jerusalem changed. Jerusalem was overthrown, but they didn't change. They were carried from Jerusalem into Babylon. Their environment changed. Their surroundings changed. The culture changed, but they didn't change. 
Everybody else's diet changed, but they didn't change. Their language was even changed. They had to learn a new way to communicate. But even though the language changed, they never changed. Even as we see later on the story, kings changed. People around them changed. Every situation changed, but they didn't change. Even though the world around them, anybody know what I'm talking about? Even though the world around them pulled and constantly invited them to stuff and tried to pull them out into the ways of the world, they chose to stand on God's word. We are living in a world that is constantly changing. It's been changing since the day I was born. I backed up to the day I was born just to give you a few of the changes that have been made in this country, not for the good. I was born in 1962. Young, ain't I? I hope that was somebody older than me said that in a positive note. 1962, Engel versus Vital, prayer removed from public schools. 1963, Abington School District versus Skimp, Bible reading expelled from public schools. 1973, Roe versus Wade, abortion, cute little name for murder of innocent children, legalized. 1980, Stone versus Graham, posting of the Ten Commandments removed from schools. We're taking all this out of schools and we're wondering what's wrong with our children? Right. 1992, Casey versus Planned Parenthood. Humans, not God, define life. 2015, Obergefell versus Hodges. Marriage redefined. As a result of that, 2021, we have transvestite. Homosexuals appointed to high government offices in the White House of the United States of America by a government that approves of open sin and shoves it down our throat and pushes it in our face constantly. A television is not fit to watch. I don't care how good the show is, you've got to watch the commercials. And there ain't a commercial on there that don't make you puke if you look at them. They're shoving it down our throats. If the founding forefathers of this God-based, God-centered, God-promised nation, if the forefathers could see where we're at today, the abomination that we have made of God's word and the way we have turned it over, they'd turn over in their graves. They'd wish they'd never come. We're living in a dark world. And this world that we're living in is turning from the commandments of God every day. How is it that we can stand? How is it that we can be not conformed to the image of this world? How is it that, that we could make a difference? Well, I read a book this week. It had an illustration in it. I, I, I put the illustration. I've upped it a, a little bit where I could use it. Matter of fact, one of y'all sent me the book. Whoever it is, thank you. I don't know. It came from Amazon Tuesday. It was on my desk, and it didn't say who sent it to me. But I want you to know I did read the book. I ain't through with the book, but I'm reading the book. But it had an illustration. I kind of took it, and I beefed it up a little bit. So, so what I have here is ingredients to make something. I will tell you that there's two eggs involved, but I didn't bring the two eggs because I didn't want to break them. But I got flour, and I got two sticks of butter, and I got some brown sugar and, and, some, and some sugar, 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 sugar. I got some vanilla extract, and, and I got some baking soda and some chocolate chips. Anybody know what we're making? Chocolate chip cookies. There's some cooks in the house. So, so here, here, here's the deal. I um, send the, the stuff out usually on Friday, sometimes Saturday, and I go ahead and send the message title. And, and as soon as I sent this out on Friday that the title of the message was Chocolate Chips, they'll immediately volunteer. If you need an assistant this week, you thought he would have let GW for having to hold his arms up all week last week. GW, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know those wings didn't step by themselves. Everybody's talking about it getting lower and lower. I said, you mean like them things don't step? I said, no, he's holding his arms. Oh, man, you already that close? He ain't missing a chance, bro. Heard chocolate chip. He heard chocolate chip. All right, well, come on, come on. So I, I wanted to bring the mixer. I even thought about a little toaster oven, but I didn't figure we had a half hour for me to cook cookies and mix and do all that stuff. So I went ahead and... I kind of mixed some ingredients together. I went ahead and put everything in there. Look, oh, open the cooler. Go ahead and open the cooler. He's excited about this stuff. I'm excited to have such an eager bottle. There's a little bowl down there. Look in that bowl. Ooh, I know what that Ooh, is. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, chocolate chip cookie dough. Man, what you talking about? All right, there's a spoon 
there's a spoon right there. Go ahead and get you the spoon. I even left it sealed, so you know, ain't no, nothing hanky going on. I really don't even need the spoon. <laughs> yes, you do, because you're only getting one scoop of that. The rest of it's going back with me. Now, you, you, get, you, you get one scoop out of there, and you don't, you don't get the double dip now. It's been in the refrigerator all night. It's a little firm. I did clean the, the spatulas and all those, so it, it's already been sampled. It's not going to hurt you. So, so here's the deal. In that scoop, I have two and a quarter cups of this. I have two sticks of butter. I have three quarter cups of the brown sugar, three quarter cups of the sugar, a teaspoon of vanilla extract, and a teaspoon of baking soda. So what I want you to do is look in that cookie. I also have two eggs. Find me one of the eggs in there. Look in there. You see an egg? I don't see an egg. You don't see an egg? It's in there. What, what about a scoop of vanilla extract? Do you see it in the cookie? I don't see the vanilla either. Hmm. Two sticks of butter. There's two whole sticks of butter. Surely you can see a stick of butter. You see a stick of butter in there? I don't see butter. So what you're telling me is that everything that I put in there and everything I blend together has all conformed in the image and none of it stands out and looks any different. Well, there's one thing. Yeah. I see chocolate chips. So even though all this was put in the blender together and all of it's mixed together and all of it conformed, there was one thing that was able to stand out. Yes, sir. One thing maintained its integrity. Yes, sir. One thing didn't change. It's in the cookie, but it's not of the cookie. That's correct. Okay, you can go ahead and get rid of that evidence. <laughs> go, go ahead and, read, and put that back in there. You're going you're to need to wash that down, so I brought you a little something to wash it down. So, so here's, here's the deal. It was all put in the world just like us. It's all put in the same blender. So here, here's what we did. I, I took a, a small mixing bowl, and I took it, and I put the, the two and a quarter cups of flour, and I put, where's the salt? I didn't forget it in the cookie. It's in there. I just don't have the big thing of salt up here. But so, so there's a quarter, uh, uh, no, there's a, a teaspoon of salt, and there's a, a teaspoon of baking soda, and, and it's in a bowl. And, and it's all stirred and mixed up, all put together in one bowl. Then in another bowl, I took and, and got the, the butter. Well, I melted the butter in the microwave in a third bowl. And, and then you've got the, the two kinds of sugar and the vanilla extract is all put into the blender, and it's turning, and it blends it all together. It's mixing everything in the same pot, kind of like how we're in the world with the same pot, right? Dale, where'd you go? Dale, I'm here. I ain't through with you. I thought I was drinking milk on the side stage. I'm sorry. Well, I tell you, go nowhere. I did so, that. so it's all put in, and then it's in the blender, and then we took and we cracked the egg one at a time and let them blend, and took the melted butter and put in there to let it blend, so it got kind of liquidy, and then we took the other one with the with the with the flour in it, and we took and we shook it, sifted it in a little bit, and we blended it all together. And then we dumped this whole 12-ounce pack of chocolate chips. But there's only one thing that didn't conform to the dough. But what about the temptations of the world? What about when we have to go through trials? Anybody know life ain't always fair? Anybody go through some hard times? Anybody ever feel like you've been cast into the burning, fiery furnace? So I cast them in the burning, fiery furnace. Took and put them in little spoon-sized droplets on a, a greased cookie sheet. And I put them in an oven, 375 degrees. I would call that exceeding hot. I wouldn't want to be in there. And I put them in there, one batch for 10 minutes and one batch for 11 minutes because my wife, I knew she'd want some, and, and she likes them done a little more done than me. So, so one batch for 10 minutes, one batch for 11 minutes. They've all been put in the fire. They've been through the fire. Now, that, there's two compartments there on the front of that. Unzip the big one. Oh, he's getting excited again. Get that little zip right there. Hey, I now. want you to look here. <laughs> All right, now I want you to get one of those out. Now listen to me. I want you to volunteer more often. I want you to bite it in two. Do not put the whole thing in your mouth. Bite it in two. I need half the cookie for the illustration. Yeah, bite it in two. So while you're chewing, I don't want you spitting all over everything. I want you to look in the cookie. Now that it's been through the fire, 
Now, that, now that it's been in 375 degrees for 10 minutes, I want you to look in there and find me a stick of butter. I don't see it. There's two and a quarter cups of flour in there. Surely you see a cup of flour. I don't see the flour. So the sugar, I put the sugar and the brown sugar. There's three quarter cups of both. I put all of them in there and I put all of it in the fire. When it come out of the fire, are any of those ingredients still evident? Is there anything in the cookie, even through the fire, maintained its integrity? Just the chocolate chips. Just the chocolate chips. That's what we're supposed to be in the world. You don't know how you stand out and make a difference? You just don't conform to the things going on. Thank you, brother. You can take your cookies and your milk, and now you can go. Now you got a snack. You want to go to lunch. You'll be ready for play practice. By the way, that room is dark, and there's a lot of folks in there. You fell over the prayer warriors. Don't disturb the prayer warriors. They're praying for me. I need it. Band, if you guys will come on up. I, um... best way I know to put it for them is Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego with chocolate chips. They would not conform. Everything else was brought around them. There was other people brought from Jerusalem. There was other people brought from the northern and the southern kingdoms. There was people brought from different provinces around the world brought in, and they were all put in there to, to, in, in the king's court, and, and they were supposed to blend. They were supposed to be a part of it. But they stood on the word of God. They stood on the foundation of God. Was it popular? Absolutely not. It cast them into a, into a burning, fiery furnace. Daniel stood. What, was it popular? Absolutely not. People hated him so bad that they tricked him and had him cast into a lion's den. Was it right? Absolutely. They, they were chocolate chips of, of their day. All of the other ingredients blended into the mix. And you notice all the other ingredients, when they blended in, None of them could be found. They all looked alike. There wasn't anything about them. It didn't matter nationality, creed, sex, age. Nothing mattered. When put together into the ways of the world, they all looked the same. You and I are to be chocolate chips in this world. We are to stand out and make a difference in this world. We, we can live in this world and be not conformed to this world. But be different. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Just like Daniel and his friends, when we choose to stand out, you're going to be different. When you choose to stand on the word of God, rest assured it's coming. Trials are coming. Tribulation's coming. Finger pointing's coming. Accusations are coming. They'll call evil good and good evil. They're already doing it. In Christ, we are citizens of his eternal kingdom. We, we possess the highest calling, but we possess the greatest inheritance. Anybody say amen. So we're called to be the light, and it's the light that drives out darkness. The problem in the world today is the absence of the light. Christians, we, we can't be silent. We've sat back long enough. No, we've sat back way too long. Christians should have stood up in 1962 and put a stop to that garbage. Christians should have stood up in 1963 and put a stop to that garbage. Christians should have stood up in 1973 and the cry should have been so loud that they overturned Roe versus Wade and millions of babies would be alive today. Millions, millions. Today's president might have been a godly man over this country had he not been murdered in the womb. So every day in the past, Christians should have stood up and made a difference. 2021 is no different. And what our children are going to grow up in is going to be determined by what we do today as Christians. Do we stand up? Do, do we let Christ work in us? Do we make a difference? You say, but, but how, can, how can anything change? I don't know. God changed Nebuchadnezzar. Most powerful man in the world. He didn't have to get elected in. He was the man. And God changed him. God changed his heart through the difference of some men that just wouldn't bow down. 
It's my prayer. It's my prayer. I, I don't typically do illustrations a lot. Lord, give them four or five a week. But this is my prayer. This is why I take the time to get up and bake the cookies and put it there. It's my prayer that you never eat another cookie that doesn't remind you to be not conformed to the image of this world. I don't care if it's a chocolate chip cookie or not. If it's an Oreo, I hope you're the stuffing. I hope you're the one thing that sets it apart. It doesn't matter. If you pick up a cookie from now on, I hope that cookie reminds you, be not conformed to the image of this world, but be ye transformed by the the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God that we stand out and make a difference in the dark. We can be chocolate chips, but not on our own. If I could have you go ahead and stand where you're at. I want to get you standing by your heads just for a minute. Standing by your heads just for a minute. To be a chocolate chip, to, to be a, a light in the darkness, or to be someone who stands out, someone who stands up when everyone else bows down, to be somebody who, who makes a difference doesn't come by accident. It comes by reading the instruction manual every day before we leave the house. It comes by spending time in prayer that God would strengthen us each day and give us the power to make a difference in the places we are and influence those around us. It comes by a personal decision that I have made up my mind. I will follow him no matter when, no matter where, no matter what, no matter why. I will follow God. It comes by an anointing, and the anointing comes from those who will bow down and pray and say, God, help me. I want to be a chocolate chip. That cookie without the chocolate chips is just any other cookie. And everything else conformed into the image of the cookie. I want to be a standout. I want to be used by you. I want to make a difference in my job place. I want to make a difference in my school. I want to make a difference to everyone around me. God, I want to be used by you. That involves prayer. That involves daily sacrifice. That involves coming before God and asking Him to help us be. We can't be a chocolate chip on our own. you got to have power. You got to be anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. In order to do that, it involves reading the instruction manual. It involves listening to the control tower and letting the control tower when you can and can't take off and when you can and can't land and which way you're to fly. It involves surrendering everything to the control tower. I assure you, not one pilot has ever overthrown his control tower. He does exactly what he's supposed to do. You and I are supposed to be good co pilots. Listen to the control tower. But in order to be a chocolate chip, in order to make a difference, it's going to involve time praying. Father, help me. I just want to make a difference for you. When I leave this world, there's only one person gets saved because of the evidence of my life. That's one that didn't go to hell, and I'll thank you for them. Use me, God, to make a difference. You can pray where you are. You can pray here. These guys are going to sing one song. 